and welcome to another episode of NSTA, The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, Executive Director. I'm pleased to welcome today to NSTA, The Bus Stop, Wes Platt, Executive Editor, School Bus Fleet, and good friend of NSTA. So, Wes, welcome back to The Bus Stop. It is always great to be here. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Well, listen, uh, I'm going to start out with one area where you and I uh, engage quite a bit. NSTA, if if listeners don't know, NSTA's president has a monthly column in School Bus Fleet. Um, the most recent column penned by uh, our president, Dan Kobison, really touched upon uh, a lot of issues related to the transformation to an electric school bus fleet. Um you know, from our perspective, I think he hit a lot of areas that are in, important to put on the table for discussion. And I'm interested to know, you know, as a as a journalist, Wes, what were your thoughts about the column and, you know, kind of the number of thought provoking issues that uh, Dan spliced in there? Well, I think, I mean, there's a lot going on with electric buses, obviously, and there is, you know, there's anxiety. Uh, about the technology, there's anxiety about the infrastructure, uh, and I think that his column, uh, which is in the November print edition, and we'll have it on the web uh, very soon, uh, probably the end of this week, um, it really hits on some of those issues like reliance uh, on a grid that is already kind of unreliable in some areas, mm-hmm. and how that uh, can increase the anxiety, right? It's like, it's not just that you need new infrastructure uh, in a school district uh, or at a contractor's uh, bus depot. Uh, It is that you have to be able to rely on the system outside of that that serves it. Uh, And that isn't always a sure thing uh, in this day and age, as we saw in Texas, uh, which he touched on. Uh, It is a lot uh, to rely on. Uh, And it is uh, a serious concern. And we're starting to see uh, with the EPA program uh, and the funding, you're starting to see districts kind of dip their toes uh, in the water Mm -hmm. and try to get uh, electric buses out there. And you're seeing what's involved in that. I mean, you've got some districts that ordered buses, uh, but didn't plan for infrastructure, didn't even set up. So they get these, you know, three electric buses coming to their school district. And they're like, okay, what do I do with them now? I mean, that. It seriously happened right. with somebody. So there seems to be uh, a lot of education that still needs to be done. There needs to be some uh, evolution of uh, infrastructure. Uh, and we are, it, it, there's certainly room for debate about whether we are there yet. And I think Dan's column talked about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you had, you know, mentioned that there is a uh, print edition that comes out and then it's also available, you know, online. Um, this month's column was specifically interesting to me because what I had seen you at a couple of events, um, NAPT in Columbus, uh, NASDAQ mm-hmm. down in Pentagon City, um, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. Obviously, electrification is uh, and is and continues to be a hot topic within the industry. You know, what did you learn at those conferences? Um, what did you hear at those conferences that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, well, obviously there's uh, there's some interest 
still in the program with the EPA uh, and the funds that are coming out from that. But coming with that is uh, some of the learning curve and the, the questions about affordability uh, and price parity between uh, the ICE vehicles and the electric vehicles. And it, what I really started seeing is that there's, uh, I guess people are stepping back from the idea that we're going to see uh, anything close to real parity in the next five years while they're still doing this EPA funding. Uh, and that at some point, if they really want to convert the entire U.S. school bus fleet, uh, you, you have a hard time envisioning that being a serious attainable goal uh, when you still have to have the infrastructure. Even putting infrastructure in uh, becomes a supply chain issue, right? It's like the, it may take sure. two years for a utility to get around to setting up a school district. So, I mean, not only do you have to plan your infrastructure and your bus conversions and everything else, you've got to wait for those things to be available and you're going to be waiting in line behind how many other districts and contracting uh, depots. It, it, it kind of boggles the mind. And then you're just kind of seeing uh, people dealing with range anxiety. Now, we did have a bus revealed at uh, NAPT from Green Power that basically doubles the number of batteries and therefore doubles its uh, attainable range of, to about 300 miles. So I guess they're answering that question uh, that way. Uh, but right. you still need to have the infrastructure to charge that bus. <laughs> uh, and that seems to be uh, a concern. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, you know when you're mentioning um, infrastructure and obviously there's this utility engagement piece. Mm -hmm. bus isn't the only thing out there, um, you know, kind of tugging on the shirt of, of the electric utility, you know, with right. respect to, to the grid. And I, I think that's an issue that the policymakers, while we can get all the funding in the world for, for buses and infrastructure, that piece you know, we're beholden to the, we being, you know, operators are beholden to, you know, the cadence of the electric utilities in, in, with respect to how quickly they can um, get us to where we need to be. Um, and I think you're probably hearing some of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that that's uh, been a concern. Yeah, one of the things we also uh, heard about was the uh, availability for example, of the type A buses <laughs> and mm. uh, getting those manufactured. And again, it seems like school transportation uh, takes a backseat to everybody else who needs that kind of chassis. Um, so that has been a struggle. Um, but yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch uh, what's going on. In some ways, it seems like the, the, the manufacturing side of things seems to be bouncing back, uh, at least from a supply chain and getting things rolling again and starting to meet the demand. Um, but then on the other hand, you're seeing some of the models that are uh, still struggling because of those supply issues. Definitely a, a time to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, good for you to point out that uh, the school bus is taking a back seat to the, you know, from what we hear, uh, throughout the industry, you know, even Amazon, uh, you know, transit vans are kind of higher up in the cadence than, than school buses. So, yeah, I do think moving forward, that's going to be a bigger piece of um, the NSTA advocacy 
uh, you know, team's efforts um, in 2024. Uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit with you, Wes, mm-hmm. on um, uh, what you guys have been doing over at School Bus Fleet. You recently hosted what was called SBFX. So can you talk about the event and how did it go? Yeah, um, it was our first time doing this. Uh, we had done it, I think, once or twice before the pandemic hit, uh, and that was before my time. So this was uh, for George Brennan, our publisher, and me and Chrissy Grimes, uh, our associate editor. This was our first time uh, working with our events team, putting on a, a school bus fleet uh, solely focused event, just where we, it was essentially like speed dating uh, between vendors uh, and, and directors of transportation, uh, that we invited out, uh, to the McCormick Ranch in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, back in September. And it was, uh, I think it was a really, uh, great event. It was small, intimate. Uh, we still had a few panel discussions, uh, which I enjoyed participating in, but I think the real, uh, bread and butter and the real value was in getting, uh, vendors together with those directors and letting them make connections in a way that we haven't been able to do uh, in a couple of years. And, and, and now, I, you know, seeing it at, at NAPT, seeing it at NSPA back in July, uh, it's been great just kind of getting out there and seeing people uh, in person and connecting. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to be the editor of School Bus Fleet uh, working from my desk here in Durham, North Carolina. It's another to actually, uh, you know, be in the room uh, with directors from Colorado and salespeople from Thomas Built and uh, IC Bus and Bluebird. It, 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 there's really no substitute for that. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, you know, interestingly enough, Wes, we <laughs> had our, prior to the pandemic, directly prior to the pandemic, we had our last uh, midwinter meeting at the uh, Scottsdale and the McCormick Ranch. So uh, interesting that, uh, that uh you, you guys hosted one there too as well had a lot of uh you know great feedback from that um you know venue back in the day um you know moving ahead you know with respect to um you know the events that you had been to and I'd seen you at NAPT and NASDIP uh one thing that I had talked about was illegal school bus passing there are a number of other issues that come up at these conferences but let's let's tackle illegal school bus passing first. Um, we know NASDAQ has a survey. We know it was talked about at NAPT. What are your observations mm-hmm. on that issue and really what it's going to take, you know, to to really tamp down on something that just continues to burgeon out of control? Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. Um, I mean, it's continuing to go up. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Every year it seems to be going up. Obviously, during the pandemic, <laughs> Not a problem uh, as much, but uh, in the last couple of years, it has just increased. And for today, I, I was out driving around, uh, getting my breakfast, and what I was getting ready to turn right. The car ahead of me was going straight. Coming toward us was a school bus, uh, and it had its flashing lights on, and it was a little minivan in front of me, and they almost just blew past uh, the the car coming the other way. It's a, it's a two lane road. You got to stop. That's the rules. And they almost went through. They did stop in the end. I was grateful for that. Um, But I've seen it plenty uh, where people will just blow by because they're like, I don't see any kid on the side of the road. 
uh, trying to cross. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it's going to I mean, obviously, everybody talks about education. And I'm real glad that, um, you know, NHTSA has been talking about uh, their educational campaign and they're trying and we're trying on their behalf uh, to get the word out. And it's something that we're going to write about uh, and publicize as much as we can. But for School Bus Fleet, our audience is we're basically preaching to the choir, right? We're not a consumer facing magazine. We're for people like you and for the people you serve and for the school transportation directors. So they all know that this is a bad thing. Um, so really the challenge that I think uh, that NHTSA faces and that we all face as an industry is getting that word out to the public uh, and getting them educated. Because there's, I mean, the school bus drivers, they're doing what they can to try to keep kids safe. Um, but look at all the things that they have to watch for, all the distractions they've got to deal with. And on top of that, they've got to be watching for uh, the people who aren't watching the signals. Uh, it is, I, I do not envy them that job. Uh, and, right. uh, you know, it, it, it feels like sometimes, you know, the only way people learn is if it happens to them uh, and if it somehow affects them. So if somebody, you know, they learn by bumping into a, a kid or, or ramming into the back of a bus, that's not the way right. you want to learn. Uh, and that's right. not the way yeah. we want to, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no. You're you're 100 percent right um, on on you know that fact, or uh, e- even you know with uh, f- you know fines or other penalties. Mm-hmm. Let's say you know on this, that's not the way you want to learn either. You know, so yeah, you're 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 right. You're 100 percent right that. Uh, um, but the numbers keep going up, and so what you, you know, and and, and all of us. Uh, there, there are two things when you start to get involved with student transportation that happens. One is that every time a bus drives down the road, you look at what, you know, who the manufacturer was and right. what's the name on the side of the bus say, right? Those two things. And then the, the third thing is then you're hypersensitized to this whole idea of illegal school bus passing when it happens in front of you. And it happens here, you know, commuting to work or, you know, even going you know, food shopping, you know, you see it happen right in front of you. Yeah. And I mean, and we've got technology, right. That's starting to to help with this. People would just know, you know, when somebody is in a crosswalk and they're, you know, that that's something that people have started getting a handle on. You stop and you wait for them to cross. If there's a school bus right. in front of you and it's lights are flashing, you stop. Um, yeah. I just, we've got to find enough rooftops. Uh, to yell from and make people understand that there are really terrible consequences for failing right. to participate <laughs> in the social contract of stopping for school buses. Yeah. Yeah. These are not just guidelines, you know, right. As you point out, yeah. there could be catastrophic, you know, consequences. It's interesting. You mentioned the, the crosswalk situation. So I live in a small town in, in New Jersey and we actually have it backwards. So uh, you go down, you know, or downtown two blocks, right? And cars stop for jaywalkers and they blow through the crosswalk when people are in there. So we oh even have god. it backwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Yeah. So um any other issues of note um you know in your travel at those two conferences? Uh I I think mostly just the fact that they're the manufacturers seem to be getting uh, out of that backlog backlog phase and into actually 
starting to meet the new demand. I think that's been good to see. Uh, and we're seeing some innovation. Uh, we're seeing new models of some familiar buses. IC Bus uh, unveiled their new vehicle this summer. Um, Green Power's got that new vehicle uh, that I think they just got an order in California uh, for 25 of the new Mega Beasts. Uh, I think Thomas Filt has some stuff coming, um, Bluebird. Uh, it is, it's interesting to see uh, where things go next. Uh, and I am, you know, kind of like Dan was talking about in his column, I'm interested to see how people start balancing out that the ambition for having an electrified fleet balanced with the need to have a bus right now that you can't wait for. Uh, and you don't necessarily want to wait for the infrastructure. So do you do a propane bus? Do you do some kind of alternative mix um, to, and, and do diesel buses continue improving uh, or do they continue getting more expensive and you start going toward that parity? It's very, uh, very interesting time to kind of pay attention uh, to where that industry is going. Yeah, for sure. Kenny was the best. Um, well, a lot of great information on the podcast, Wes. Anything coming up in the near term for you at the school bus fleet? Well, we're working on our fact book, uh, which will be the, coming out in December. Um, so that's uh, always good. Um, we will should have our bus specs, uh, information about the bus manufacturers and who to contact. Uh, and we're also working on our state-by-state -state, uh, breakdown of uh, school bus fleets. That is always a challenge to put together. I really encourage uh, every state uh, to participate and give us as much accurate information as we can. Um, I do not like having to have, you know, latest information available because that latest information available could be from three years ago. Um, right. But yeah, that's that's the the main thing I've got going on uh, right now. I'm done with travel for a while. I actually think uh, the next big trip might be uh, NSTA next year. So <laughs> we'll see. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And and thank you for that uh, lead in, uh, Wes. So that's our um 2024 NSCA Midwinter Meeting, January 21st through the 23rd, 2024. It's coming upon us quickly. Um, our room block is near capacity. So if you want to get out to uh, Fort Myers, Florida and stand up the harbor, uh, make sure you make your um, room reservations and registration soon. So, Wes, um, if folks want to learn more about School Bus Fleet, where can they go for that information? Uh, head right over to schoolbusfleet.com anytime. Excellent. Once again, our guest at NSPA The Bus Stop is Wes Platt. He is executive editor of School Bus Fleet, good friend of NSPA West. Thanks for taking a few minutes to join us on the podcast. Anytime, anytime. Great podcast. I appreciate your time.